0: We're looking at uh, the book of Philippians, and of course I'm not going to speak on the entire book, but uh, there's a number of verses in Paul's letter here to the church at Philippi that create this confidence, and I entitled the message this morning, Quiet Confidence. And quiet confidence is not um, that we don't say anything, that we keep our mouth shut. That's not what it's implying. It is that there is a confidence inside of us that we are able to face the difficulties that we have in life. Now, we would like for us to not have any difficulties, you know, but there isn't any life that doesn't have problems. And, of course, the varying degrees of them depend on who we are and where we live. I mean, for, for us, you know, we, we usually don't worry about having a drink of water. We usually don't worry about what we're going to eat. We usually don't worry about how, you know, being shot as we walk out in the streets. You know, we don't think of that very much. We worry about, you know, not being able to buy the latest and the greatest, not being able to face uh, problems at work or neighbors or, you know, whatever. We have those types of, of problems that we face. But in third world countries, I forget what the statistic is. If you have $15 in your pocket, you are wealthier than 80% of the world population. <laughs> so if we, would, we would look at this and say, whoa, you know, what are, our, what are the problems that we face? What are the difficulties that we have? And we're not being tortured and tormented and placed in prison because we have faith or belief in Jesus Christ. We, we have an assurance that God is with us. And in, in the, Paul is writing here and, and to the church at Philippi and Paul is writing from prison. Now, uh, in the last few weeks, I've had this realization, <laughs> and I've shared it with you, that Paul is doing something in prison that at that time period makes very little sense. Paul is in prison writing letters to people who can't read. <laughs> you know, the educated population of that time is very minimal. So if you're going to have an impact on a particular area or, you know, particular region, you need to be there and you need to talk. You need to speak. You need to put this in the hearts and minds of people by speaking, preaching, and teaching. But Paul is in prison writing letters to hopefully areas that there will be someone there who can read, who will take the literature, the letters that he is writing, and be able to disperse it to that community. But little does Paul realize that he is going to have an effect upon the the church from that moment forward till the time that Jesus returns and we're being affected by Paul's ability and Paul's faith to face adversity and do so with an understanding that God is in charge. Say amen. We don't do that very well. We don't, we don't, if we have adversity, we think God's against us. You know, the world is falling apart. You know, somebody doesn't believe like I believe, and oh my goodness, it's going to destroy the planet. Do you know God hasn't lost control? (laughs) That God hasn't lost control of anything? You know, when Pharaoh wouldn't let the people go, Moses showed up as a deliverer. Whenever uh, we had difficulties, in, you know, in, even in uh, Babylon, and the Median Persian I- Empire, when they were facing difficulties, there was Daniel, there was the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, they, these were individuals, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these were individuals who were very high prominent officials who made a, made a stand that they were not going to bow down to the image of Nebuchadnezzar they had to stand for their faith and if faith doesn't bring something out of us it's not really there and faith is not necessarily standing out in the crowd faith is not standing not going along with the things that defile our relationship with God and so the three Hebrew children they didn't bow down but they had a quiet confidence that they were able to say to the king, Our God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. But if he doesn't, be it known unto you, O oh king, we're not going to bow down. Now, this wasn't a belligerent, you know, uh, in your face type of stance, you know, like we think of it today. Hey, king, you know, we're not bound down to you. <laughs> this was more of a grace initiative inside of their heart that they were able to speak the truth because. If they survive the furnace, they're going to have to, the attitude that they portray going into it is the same attitude they're portraying coming out of it. And in our lives, what the, the attitude that we have going into something is to be the same attitude we have coming out of it because we know that God is the victor. We know that God is more, we are more than conquerors in Christ. So therefore we face the obstacles with a quiet confidence and assurance. King, (laughs) we're not bowing down to your idol. Our God doesn't permit that. And our God is capable of delivering us from the fiery furnace, but we want you to know that if he doesn't, we're not bowing down. Things haven't changed. If God delivers us or doesn't deliver us, things don't change. He's still in charge. See, this is the quiet confidence that we have. If things change or they don't change, it's okay. Whether I live or whether I die, I belong to God. It's okay. When I face the difficulties, I am more than a conqueror in Christ, so therefore it's okay that I face the difficulties. It's okay that I face these things because I'm going to have the same faith going in as I have coming out, whether I'm in heaven or here before you, King I'm okay. Things are all right. So the king, you know, in order to make sure they die in the furnace, he makes it 10 times hotter. (laughs) Okay? Now, if the furnace is capable of burning (laughs) people up, making it 10 times hotter isn't going to make it more burning. (laughs) You know, we're going to incinerate you, but we're going to do it faster. (laughs) You know, we're going to burn you up quicker. You're going to die about the same time, but we're going to burn you up quicker. So they throw throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace, and what happens? What happens? Nothing! Nothing. (laughs) The king looks into the furnace and says, didn't we throw three people in there? (laughs) Why are there four people walking around. (laughs) Why are there four people walking around and one isn't like any of the rest? And see, in our lives, the quiet confidence is we are walking around in the fire of our trials, but we're not consumed by them. We are not consumed by the trial. The only thing we lose is the things that are tying us up. Sometimes we don't know that we're tied up. Sometimes we don't know that we're in bondage until we find ourselves in the middle of the trial and there we find a confidence that God is in charge and I am free. (laughs) I am free from the trials of my life. And, And the song... One hundred and twelve in the songbook, it Is Well with My Soul. You know, you know the story? The guy wrote it over the place where his his wife and family went on ahead of him. And I believe, I don't know if his wife, but all of his children drowned at that spot when their ship went down. And while he was over that spot where the ship went down, he wrote the song, It Is Well with My Soul. <laughs> you see Quiet, confidence, though sorrow like sea billows roll. See, he was there in the ocean. And he was being in that spot where his family had perished. And he wrote about the security that he had in in, in his faith in God. And in our lives, as we are in the fiery furnace, as we are in the trials, we find that God is there with us. We're not separated. The trials can't separate us from God. The difficulties can't take away what God has given us. What God has given us is what has given us the strength and the peace and the courage to step forward And if they hadn't thrown the three Hebrew children into the fiery furnace, these guys are not children, they're in their 20s probably by now, maybe even a little little older, they would have walked in because they were not afraid of going into the fire. And that's the quiet assurance that we have as we face our daily activities and daily lives. When things come out of the you know sidelines and blindside us, you know, it's okay. It's all right. God is in charge. He has a plan, and God is going to work this out in my life. Well, Paul's in prison, and he's written this this theme from prison. Now, what do you think could be a theme from somebody writing letters from prison? Let's talk about joy. (laughs) You know, let's be joyful while we are in prison. He was wrongfully accused, and he's in prison, and he's staying there. And he knows that he's staying there, but his letter to the Philippians is this confidence that joy is the dominant theme of this letter. (laughs) Joy is the dominant theme. So the secret of this joy is grounded in his relationship with Jesus Christ. What a novel idea. That our relationship with Jesus Christ is... um, the framework, the strength for us to face, to be joyful in our hearts and lives as we face life. Now, we today, we like to seek happiness. <laughs> happiness. How many like to be happy? You know, you know, happiness is like opening Christmas presents. You know, that's the happiness. I like Christmas presents. Do you like Christmas presents? Ron will be happy if I get her a gift for her birthday. You know, she'll be happy. <laughs> And if I don't get her the right gift, she'll be really happy because she'll remember today's sermon and she'll say, yes, God, I thank you for my husband and his wonderful attributes of not knowing what I need. <laughs> and of course, if you want thing, you go buy it yourself, you know, <laughs> not really. But we, we have this, but we like happiness. We like to be happy and we, you know, uh, and, and we are a society of happiness, If you buy the right clothes, you have the right hairdo. You drive the right car. If you don't have hair, you shave it all off. But if you wear the right clothes, you have the right amount of money, you work in the right neighborhood, you work the right job, you live there, you are happy. (laughs) But you're not. Because happiness is something that is very fleeting, and it is based upon emotions, and you can be the... um, have all the most wonderful things in the world and still not be happy. So, it's tossed. This type of happiness is tossed with everyday living. It is as elusive (laughs) as, you know, sand flowing through our fingers. It just kind of takes on a, a life of its own and comes and goes and we can be happy and sad. But, so happiness then is about circumstances and about happenings and joy Joy is about a relationship, a secure relationship. See, this is where we find the Apostle Paul in his writings here to the Church of Philippi, that he has a secure relationship with Jesus Christ, that he knows he is exactly where he is supposed to be, and that he is living out his life exactly as Jesus wants him to. And so he writes about joy in a prison, in a, you know, being chained to guards and, you know, doesn't have the freedom to come and go. He is chained, he is there, and he's in prison, and he writes about joy because he knows that his, in his relationship with Jesus Christ, he is safe. In our life, we are to recognize that we are safe in our relationship with Jesus Christ, that we are forgiven. Our name is in his book of life that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that in his strength I am made strong. In my weakness I find strength. In my poverty I find riches. In my humility I find his glory. Because it is God bringing these things into our life. And so as we see ourselves weak, we're not focusing on our weakness, we are focusing on God's strength to touch our hearts, our minds, our thinking with his word. You know, there was these, and and I was thinking of this the other day. Imagine that. Uh, uh, Does God like big things? You know, I like big things. You know, I just like big things. We drive down the road, I'll pull over and watch a tractor. You know, I love those big machines. (laughs) There was a machine harvesting corn. And it's like six heads across. And this, this, this is a powerful machine. It's just going right through the fields, is grinding up the corn and blowing it into trucks, you know, trucks that go along. And I pull over and watch. Boy, isn't that beautiful? Uh-huh, yeah, Dad. yeah, David, it's really nice. You yeah. You get out west and you get these combines, huge. They got 30 feet across, you know, and they're going through the fields. I'll pull over. Wow, look at that. I like big things. Uh, and I was thinking, well, God, he's, you know, he's, he's not into big things. And I thought, well, you know, God is into big things. How big is our sun? <laughs> How big is, they? now, I don't know this for sure, but I thought I heard it somewhere, that there are stars that are as big as our solar system. I mean, that's pretty big. That our solar system is millions of light years across, and there's a whole bunch of solar systems. God likes big things. Yes, my kind of God, big things. But He's also interested in the molecules and the molecular, molecular, whatever, the molecules, <laughs> molecular structure of things, putting things together. You know, into the tiniest of microscopes and the one hundred thousandths of a magnification, and it's all that He can. He put it all together. He puts it all together from the infinite detail to the magnificent structures of solar systems and gravity and and all that kind of stuff that goes on in our, all around us. So God is interested in the very little things that happen in our life. He's interested in the very big things that happen in our life. But in all those things is a relationship that I am secure, that I am safe, it runs deep. It runs strong. It is a quiet confidence in the assurance of God's love in me and in my life. And as we look at these things, this quiet confidence that God has for us, in, in chapter 1, uh, starts out, Paul to Timothy, servant of Christ Jesus. He's writing a letter. He's writing it to Timothy, his, his friend to all the saints in Jesus Christ of Philippi. So he's writing to Timothy. Timothy's going to take it to the church at Philippi, to the town of Philippi. Could have said this is to David from Paul to the town of Wimber. I thank God every time I remember you. Are, are there some people you don't thank God for? <laughs> are there certain people that have made the do not pray for list? You know the ones that are difficult, who haven't grown in their spiritual relationship. I heard one lady say that um, there are there are saints that God has wonderfully disguised as stupid, <laughs> who drive cars. <laughs> you know, <laughs> one person comment. That's not mine. That's somebody else's. But we we know that. We're not, we have, we're not where we're supposed to be, and we do foolish things, and we make foolish mistakes, and, and everybody does, and we have to leave room for that to happen. We have to leave room for people to fail, because we're going to fail. We're not going, we are not perfect, <laughs> and if you think you're perfect, just wait a while, you'll find out, you know. <laughs> Once I thought I never made a mistake, and Then, of course, I didn't, so I was perfect. That's the joke. You know, you've known me long enough to know he ain't perfect. He's delusional. (laughs) He thinks he's perfect. But God says, and Paul says to them, I thank God upon every time I remember you. Now, I'm sure there are people in the church of Philippi that Paul's just saying, you know what? You need to get these people out. (laughs) No. You need to realize that everybody has a purpose and a plan. Some of us haven't got there yet, but that's okay. I'm going to thank God for them anyway. Because the basis of thanksgiving and rejoicing and joy is not how people are, but what we believe that God is going to make them and take them. That same belief and that same perspective is of ourselves, too. When we look in the mirror, you see, if I can give this grace and mercy to other people, I could give it to the person in the mirror. Because I'm not perfect. So therefore, I thank God for allowing me not to be perfect. And I thank God that he is going to do a work in me and he's not done yet. And so I can thank God for people that he's not done with yet. And I'm going to thank God for them. I'm going to pray for them that God will continue the work that he is doing. And he says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day. You people have been supportive of me from day one. And of the ministry and of the gospel of Jesus Christ in your town, you have been outstanding. Verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. So whether I'm in chains or whether I'm free, you're all part of this grace journey. God's grace is on me and God's grace is on you. I'm in prison, you're not, but the grace of God is on us both. (laughs) How about that? The grace of God is on those who are walking, thrown into the fiery furnace, and the grace of God is upon us as we read about them. Because as your day is, so shall your faith be. As your day is, whatever your day needs, God's faith, God's grace is going to be there to match that level of need. You know, in, in hospice, uh, I explain to people that whenever lives are changing, you know, and you know, before in life we'd make decisions for a year, six months, and maybe have to rethink them. But in the last days or so of a person's life, their life and their needs can change very rapidly. And I said, Our goal in helping taking care of your loved one is that wherever their need is, that's where we want to be in our care for them. You see, and God, in our everyday life, wherever your need is, God is there. You know, well, I really blew it. I did this. God is there. This really went well. It's great. God is there. Uh, That, wow, they really have a problem. God is there. You see, this assurance that comes into my life is the assurance that God is here. And no matter what my level of need is, God is there. Whether I'm being thrown into the fiery furnace or whether I have to have the quiet confidence to say, King, we're not bowing down. We're not going to bow down to your your idol because we don't have any other God but the Lord Jehovah. So we can't bow down to your idol. And we want you to know that our God is capable of delivering us from you and this fiery furnace, but if he doesn't, he's still God. So, do what you must. And that's the quiet confidence that we have, that our life is not out of control, our world is not out of control, and, you know, the people who try to take control, God has a way. Of bringing about his will and his plan. Paul says, in verse nine, he says, um, "And this is my prayer that you love that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight." Did you know, knowledge and depth of insight? People know a lot, but they don't know how to make it apply? Insight, wisdom? God, Paul is telling them, this, this congregation here, that people see, people feel that Paul is out of the will of God. People feel that Paul has missed it, because he's in prison. He shouldn't be in prison. He should be here preaching and teaching us because we need it. So therefore he blew it, and Paul is telling them in the letter, "I want you to have more knowledge, and I want you to have more insight." Wow, what a combination. Knowledge and insight. People know a lot, but they can't figure out how it fits. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite shows is Big Time RV. <laughs> On the Travel Channel. <laughs> In case you want to watch it sometime. There are these two ladies that are going to uh, the Kentucky Derby. And they're going to rent an RV to go party. <laughs> okay, And so one of them gets behind the wheel. And the guy going to teach them how to drive and he says now remember that you don't turn this thing until your hips are past where you want you know you don't turn until your hips are where the cone is they go okay starts off runs over the cone (laughs) she goes down the road and he says now you have to start your turn early because you want to miss the cone she goes straight ahead and runs over the cone (laughs) you know and she's saying no she's stopping the wheel she can't drive (laughs) so the other one decides to drive and she did okay but the idea is, I forgot where I was going. But anyhow, <laughs> I, get, I get consumed with an RV. Oh, talking about blondes. There was this lady. <laughs> I wasn't talking about blondes? No. Well, there was this Russian, there was this American, and there was this blonde. Okay? So the Russian says, we were first in space. The American says, well, we were first on the moon. The blonde lady says, we're going to be the first ones on the sun. And <laughs> they both of them look at her and say, you can't go to the sun. It's too hot. She says, yeah, we know that. We're going at night. (laughs) Okay. God loves us. (laughs) Here we are. God loves us. And uh, anyhow, he, he looks at this and he says that we have more knowledge and depth of insight. So, it isn't enough to know what we should do. We have to learn how to put it into practice. So here is this driver trying to teach somebody how to drive. And they, they have knowledge. Yeah, you've got to wait for that. Yeah, I know that, but they didn't do it. They had knowledge, but they didn't have the understanding and the wisdom enough to do it. So in our life, we're doing this very same thing, rejoicing in the Lord, to be confident in God. We have this knowledge, but we don't have the insight it helps us to be, help, to be joyful in difficult places. We don't have, we have knowledge, I mean, I've heard this all my life, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, and that's later, later on here in Philippians. Uh, we hear that all the time, but we have that knowledge, but we don't hear, we don't have the insight to apply it to our difficult places. And we need more insight and more faith that in my difficult places and times, I am believing, that God is going to give me the strength the knowledge the understanding the wisdom <laughs> to do the right thing at the right time verse 18 yes and i will continue to rejoice for i know that through your prayers and the help given by the whole, by the spirit of jesus by the spirit of jesus christ what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance I'm rejoicing that I'm in prison. And he says, I am praying and rejoicing because I know that this is going to work out to my deliverance. Our assumption is out of prison. Paul's message is to live as Christ, to die as gain. I'm going to be delivered from this place, from this prison, either by death or by opening of the doors. The three Hebrew children God is going to deliver us from the fiery furnace, either by death or by keeping us in the flames. And, you know, the the king looks in and he sees four walking around. He says, one looks like the Son of God. Paul says, it's going to be given us by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Hmm. Verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves worthy of the message of Jesus Christ. You see, when we believe and when we rejoice, when we thank God, when we step back and let people do their thing, we are conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of Jesus. We're not living our life for other people. We're living it for Christ and other people share in it. We're living our life for Jesus and he is doing a work in us and everybody around us can participate in it. Remember, put me together with you, Lord. Graft me into the vine. Let the strength, the spirit of God that is in the vine vine, go out into the branch, which is me. Allow what I'm experiencing. God, let me focus on your goodness and your love and your grace and your mercy. You are in control. No matter what happens in this life, no matter what happens in my life, I am thinking and thanking you, God, for your presence, for your wisdom, for your guidance. Chapter 2, verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. <laughs> if we really want to please God, we seek to be one with God and one with one another. We seek to allow God to work in our lives and through our lives. And finally, brothers, verse three, chapter 3 verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write this same thing to you over and over. And then, um, what else? It's Philippians 4, 4, four Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. (laughs) So Paul, in prison, writes about joy, writes about confidence, writes about love, writes about how the God is at work in all these things, and he's just proclaiming the joy of God sitting in a prison cell, knowing that his his place is going to work, this place in his life is going to work for his deliverance. God is at work for us. Delivering us from the fiery furnace or through the fiery furnace. He is capable of doing it all, but we just need to focus on his love and his grace, his mercy. God, give us knowledge, but also give us the insight to apply it to our daily lives. Amen? Shall we stand? God is interested in the big things and the little things. <laughs> All the little things in our life and all the big things, so allow God to touch our hearts and our minds, insight with our words and our thoughts, and when we fail, get up, (laughs) allow God's Spirit to continue to teach and give us knowledge and insight, amen? Father, thank you for your blessings and thank you for your Word. Thank you for the insight of your Word and your Spirit, the making of the application of these truths to our daily life. We are so grateful. Thank you for loving us and forgiving us. Thank you for purpose. Thank you for strength to accomplish purpose. Thank you for insight. Thank you, God, for watching over us. Thank you, God, that nothing can ever separate us from you. Thank you, God, that no matter what happens, we will continue to keep our eyes focused on you, knowing that, Lord, you are the author and the finisher of our faith. All things will fit together like a puzzle for our life. We thank you that you are at work in all things. We pray, we praise, we give thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.